Anybody like change? It's only a few sick people that like change. There's a sick person. There's a sick person. Oh, I completely understand now. <laughs> change, nobody likes change. The only reason why we change is usually because we're forced to some way, either because of pain or because someone says you have to and you must, or you just, you just know you need to. But no one really does it voluntarily unless they're sick like those two people over there. I'm going to have to use you as examples today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's good that you have that adventurous spirit. The rest of us are just meek and mild and just wait for us to change through pain. And that's usually the biggest change agent is pain. But God is unchanging. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we need to change. Why? Because nah, we're not doing that good, you know? We, we've still got issues in our lives, right? We got, we got God, praise God. So that's the biggest change, right? He knew that something needed to happen. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. So if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today you've been sought and you've been found by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the greatest change there is. But it doesn't stop there, does it? Does it? No, it keeps going. And, and so change has to happen on a regular basis. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if we stay the same yesterday, today, and forever, we are in big trouble, guys. We are. God is calling us to change every single day. I hate going around the mountain. How many of you have been around the mountain? You've seen the same circumstances, the same issues, the same problems over and over in your life, and that just stinks, doesn't it? That's not God's desire for us. God's desire is that we, we plow through these things in faith. That's why we call this the call of faith, that we trust God, and as we do, we don't just go around the mountain seeing the same scenery all the time in our lives. We see amazing freedom and life and joy and love and peace of God as we walk through things together. So we haven't been this way before, but have others. This is the thing I want to look at, and uh, we're going we're gonna to look in the Old Testament, but before we do, I want to tell you why it's rev- relevant. I almost said that word wrong. My mouth goes wrong on that word. Romans 15 says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might find hope. So this is a really good thing to know that the things that happened long ago to my people, how they've blown it and how, the courageous things they've done, but all the stupid things they've done, being Jewish, I know there's a lot of both, you know, those things are examples for all of us to learn from. And so we want to look at a great example of the call of faith, and that is the life of Abraham. So first we're going to look at the call of faith for Abram. Now Abram, or later he was called Abraham, because God changed his name as a part of all the change that was happening. Maybe your name will be changed one day, huh? You, do, you already have a new name. You're son and daughter of the Most High God. That's about the best thing you can happen in your life, don't you think? It is. So the call of Abram. First of all, he was the son of Terah. He was 10th from Noah. That means he is dirt old. He is 3,500 years old when this happened. 
I mean, he wasn't that old. He was, he was this is 3,500 years ago. Okay, I'm making sense now? <laughs> he was old. He was 75 years old. But um, Abraham's brother was Haran, and his nephew was of the uh, salt and pepper fame, uh, Lot and his wife. Pepper, salt. I mean, <laughs> I blew that joke. Oh, well. <laughs> So it was a long time ago, and you kind of put some perspective, and he lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. That's a, that's a nice name, right? But uh, Ur of the Chaldees was very similar to Utah in some respects. In one respect, it isn't, and that is, is that it was 500 years old. It was already a great civilization. Uh, it was a very cultivated place. They had libraries. They had schools. They had a great uh, order of law. Uh, they, all, they were also a very wealthy place. They had a lot of money. They had a lot of conveniences, a lot of comforts in Ur of the Chaldees, where Abram is from. And they also had a false religion, and that religion was, uh, was uh, astrology that was practiced there. And uh, Terah, Abraham's father, he was an idol worshiper. And uh, his idols were like the sun and the moon. And one of them had a name. It was kind of an interesting name. It was Sin. Isn't that a good name for an idol, Right? Now, we have idols that are a little different here. You know, they're called automobiles and, and uh, widescreen TVs and things like this, homes. But uh, their idols were sun and moon and sin and things like that. And God spoke to Abram in a very powerful way. And we want to read that together. So let's look at this scripture. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, And go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed because of you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. That's a Jewish word. Only Jews can say it because it has the consonant in it that everybody else doesn't have. (laughs) You guys have a lot of trouble saying that. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Your offspring I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. What was God's call of faith to Abram? says, leave your country, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. This is what the call of faith is. It's a call to leave. It's a call to leave the things of this life. And then it says, and go to the land that I will show you. Go to that place. This was the call of Abraham by God. 
I mean, can you imagine hearing this? Let's just put yourself in his place for just a minute and think about where he was living. He was living in a place similar to this, except they had many more years of development and sophistication behind them because they're a 500-year-old city. A very comfortable place. How many of you like how comfortable Salt Lake is, right? It has all these great things to do. There's the mountains. There's the Great Salt Lake. That's a good thing to do, right? Avoid, right? You know, there's great trails, great, great outdoors. You know, there's a good amount of culture. For a city this size, we have a great amount of culture. Great, a great school system, great libraries, great rec system that we get to experience, pools and all kinds of things. And what a, what a great place to live. This is where Abram was. And you can imagine that he was pretty settled in. Like we settle in, right? We love to settle in. This is the thing I've noticed about myself. I like to settle. You like to settle? Yeah. You know, things get disrupted a little. Maybe God does something. But eventually, we kind of, oh, things are a little more comfortable now. I'll just settle. (laughs) And you get a little more relaxed. It's like, gee, I like this. Yeah. I like my barbecue and my hot tub and... uh, Yeah, I'm kind of hoping for a a fire pit and all these comfortable things, you know, so we can hang out and relax on Memorial Day weekend and just really enjoy ourselves, maybe take a nap or two and just really relax and settle. Well, that's where Abram was. He was in this situation. This is our nature as people, is to collect up things around us that help make us feel comfortable and safe things and people, concepts and ideas. We collect them up, and we bring them around us, and then we like to, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to settle here. But that's not really what God calls us to. God calls us to leave and go, as he called Abraham to do. God had a great promise for Abraham. And we see it in the scripture. There are four elements of this promise. First, that he would make Abraham's descendants a great nation. Abraham didn't even have a kid yet. And he had been trying for a while. And he still didn't have a kid. But this was God's promise. It's amazing how we follow through on that promise. I'm one of the answers to that promise today, being Jewish myself. But Jesus Christ is, is the great pro- answer to that promise, is that, that out of that great nation came one of the other promises, that, that God would bless all the families of the earth, promise four. And that was through Jesus Christ. He came through the lineage of Abraham. And now we all receive the blessing because of that. Then it says that he would, number two, make his name great. I know I'm being random right now. I'm just taking after my boss, Eric Van Rie. That his name would be great. Eh, he didn't even have a name before. It was Joe Abram from this little town of Ur. Right? He had no name. Nobody knew him. But now he has a name. 3,700 years later, we know Abram. We know Abraham. 
and we know of his faith, and we know of what he's done. Isn't that amazing? Then the third one is that he would protect Abraham by blessing those who bless him and curse those who curse him. When you are called to faith, when you are called to live a life of faith like Abraham was and we are, it is nice to know that God is protecting you. Don't you agree? Aren't you glad that whatever you go through, whatever circumstance you face, regardless of if it's good or bad, that you know that you have the biggest person in the universe on your side. That's a good thing to know, right? Most powerful, most loving person. He is most powerful and most loving for you. That's a good thing to know. And that's what he knew through this promise. So let's look at the nitty-gritty here. Abraham left all of his comforts. Abraham left his whole life's agenda. How many of you have plans for your life? Oh, you don't want to raise your hand. You know we're going somewhere bad with that. (laughs) We all try to come up with plans for our life, right? We all want to, gee, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and and then, you know, hopefully uh, I, I have this much of this, and so then I can just retire at whatever age that is and just relax and get a boat and go boating somewhere. I'm not against boats. I like boats. But we all have plans, an agenda, and he had an agenda. Don't you think he had an agenda? Because we all want to. We all have plans for our lives. Abraham left his plan to go to a place with no plan. No plan. God said, go to the place I'll tell you about. I'll show you. Don't worry. I'll show you. How many really like it when God doesn't tell you what's going on next? (laughs) But that's what the life of faith is all about, you guys. He rarely tells you what's going to happen next because he calls calls us just like Abraham. Leave and go to the place I'll tell you. Don't worry about it. Why? Because you're following him. That's a great, safe person to follow. Amen? It's not because you know the plan and you know how to do this and you know how it's going to work and you feel really comfortable. Now, God, okay, I'm going to leave and go. Okay, well, give me the plan. What's the itinerary for this trip? I need to see it, right? Everybody needs to have an itinerary for their trip. Well, guess what? God doesn't give itineraries. He didn't know about travel agents back then. There's no itinerary except God's. There is no plan except his, and he tells us in his time. And that's why it's a call of faith. Abraham was 75 years old. Even then that was old. He lived, he lived quite old, but at 75, you know, he was ready for Social Security, don't you think? You know, it probably started close to then, maybe a little later, because they lived longer. But, you know, he's probably anticipating that. And here God's saying, okay, I want you to give up all your plans. 
Take what you can take with you and go. That's God's call to Abraham. He took everything that was important to him, every person and everything that was important to him because he knew he was not going to return. He was not returning. So he took what he had. He heard the call of God and he said, let's go. We're not coming back. How many of you think I'm going to tell you to move out of state tomorrow? (laughs) What was happening here? Abraham was getting saved. Doesn't this look like salvation? Here is God out of the blue speaking to him and says, Hi there, idol worshiper. I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. Leave this life and go follow me. Go to this place as I direct you. Abraham was getting saved. He was being called out of his previous life of idolatry to follow God. Doesn't this sound familiar? It's a sheer act of faith in God's command. He said, I will follow you, God. And he went. That's what the scripture says. We call this salvation. This is what salvation is. Salvation is not getting baptized into a church. Salvation is not raising your hands at the end of a service. At least it doesn't stop there. That might be the beginning of it. Salvation is saying, hello, here I am. I want you to leave and go with me. The call of faith. That's what salvation is. We've had this thing all wrong. We thought salvation was we just make a decision to let Jesus forgive our sins and, well, then it's over. But no, God has this incredible call for us in our lives. As he called Abraham, he calls us. Leave your country, your people. What a crazy thing. This is the call of faith. Call of faith is not a one-shot deal. Abraham, you can see this in Abraham's life so many times. He stopped and worshiped the Lord twice just in this passage alone. That's an act of faith. He had to have an act of faith just to, just to believe that, that he would have a son that would actually be the answer to all these promises that God gave him. He was 75 when he got the promise. How old was he when he, when he, when he saw the promise fulfilled? Almost 100, right? He was old. That's a long time to wait for the promise and to walk the call of faith 25 years. Pretty amazing. Then he had to believe God again when God said, now go sacrifice the son you've waited so long for. 
right? And again, it was an act of faith. He said, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He's the provider. And he did, didn't he? He provided that ram instead of his son to be sacrificed. The call of faith is a pilgrimage. It's a great scripture in Psalms. Psalm 84 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. This is a good scripture to understand what following God is all about, the call of faith. Who's the strength then? In God. Blessed is he whose strength is in you, God. What is that saying? Blessed is he who puts all of his faith and hope and trust and aspirations and desires and dreams on you, God. Right? Isn't that what it's saying? Yes? That's what it's saying. Blessed is that person. It's so easy for us to think blessed is the person that has the nice groomed house and has the boat and has the money and has this and has that and has the family. This is not what the Bible says. The Bible says blessed is the person who puts all their hopes and dreams, everything on God himself as he answers the call of faith. And it says talks about that your heart would be on pilgrimage. This is an attitude of the heart, right? It, it's not like I'm telling you to go move tomorrow, right? It's not a physical thing, is it? No, it's an it's a attitude of the heart. God wants to do something in your heart. He wants to remind you that what the Bible says is that we're aliens in a strange land. This is not our home. And, and so we are on pilgrimage, We are in a forward-moving pattern where we can only hold on to so many things because we are moving forward. We are nomads of the heart because God said, go to the place I will show you. And so each and every day, we must trust him with where we're going and what we're doing and not the things around us that we've collected or our hopes or our dreams or our strategies someone else's strategies. Blessed are those. God's plans are so much better than our plans. I mean, do you realize the things of this world are fleeting? The physical things, the thoughts, the strategies of this world, they're all, they're all things that will not be eternal. God's plans are eternal for us. The plans that he has for us are amazing. And so blessed is the person who puts all their hope in God alone and starts traveling the walk of faith with him. You have some of your roots getting pulled up right now? Because we like to make roots, don't we? We like to establish ourselves But God says, no, like he said to Abraham, come, follow me to a place I'll show you. Don't worry about it. Trust me. 
Now let's look and see if this is actually true for, for others. Is this the, maybe this is just a pattern for Abraham, you guys. Maybe we don't have to worry about this. What do you think? No, this is God's plan for all of us. This is the plan of salvation. This is it. If you want to know what the plan of salvation is, this is it right here. Leave and go to a place I will show you and trust me every day in faith. So here's the disciples in Matthew 4. Let's see what Jesus says to them. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Here we see a similar call. These guys had a life. Anybody been to a small fishing town anywhere? Usually fishermen are sons of fishermen who are sons of fishermen who are sons of fishermen. They don't leave. They don't go very far. They have an established, planned life. And these guys did too. Matter of fact, you can see the pattern because Zebedee was in the boat with his sons, right? Do you see the pattern of fishing? This was the strategy. This was their life. And God was saying, come, follow me. The call of faith. And I will make you fishers of men. A whole new life. Do you think they understood what that meant? They were pretty dumb, you guys. They were. They took a lot of explaining. Jesus spent a lot of time with them explaining things. Even then, they didn't get most of it until after the Holy Spirit filled them at Pentecost. Then they said, doing, I got it. But it wasn't really until then that they get it. Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat to a whole new life. They set their hearts on pilgrimage. And this wasn't an invitation to a self-improvement program. Just like Abram. They began to follow God. Even though they did not know where it would lead because they had no idea what he meant by fishers of men. Hebrews 11 says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How many really don't like this whole thought about not knowing where you're going? <laughs> By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise of faith. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He had no idea where he was going. It says it right here. We already knew it. But here it's confirmed in the New Testament. 
but we know the character of the one who calls us. Amen? We don't have to know the plan if we know the planner. We know his character. We know he has all power and all desire to bless us. And that is his plans. You can see it throughout scripture. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to bless you and prosper you. Amen? This is God's desire for his children. We know the character of he who calls us. And let's look now just to see maybe it's not the same for us. Maybe it was good for the Bible people, but it's, it's okay, we could do something different. We could, we could uh, actually plan our own lives and not walk by faith, but of course you know that's not going to be the case. This is the call of faith for us. <clears throat> that scripture uh, about Abraham going to a place he did not know is the exact scripture I got while I was on a treadmill, fasting for three days, before we, dis- we were praying about what to do next 10 years ago. The ministry that I was involved in was, was changing, and I had three different opportunities that were set before us, and we had no idea what to do. And God said, I want you to be like Abraham and go to a place you do not know. And believe me, when I got here, I realized this was a place I did not know. <laughs> How many of you can relate? I remember after we decided to move here, because this was what the Lord said to do, that uh, we were shopping for a house, and in the basement of one house, this beautiful house, in the basement of one house, there were about 50 mounts lying on the floor, staring at us, like, are you our new neighbor? <laughs> and, you know, on the we never heard about hunting before, you know, we're on the West Coast. I don't know how many of you know this, but, you know, on the West Coast and the East Coast, there's no hunting, there's no guns, and you better be careful if you talk about it. It's very different. <laughs> I noticed that when I came here and I said, you guys have guns? And I had about 50 guys go like this. <laughs> now I know pastors that carry guns here in Utah, you know? So it's a whole different culture. Very, very different. And I love it very much. Don't we love it, hon? <laughs> when I was called, that was my call to Utah, or our call to Utah. But um, when I was called by God to this life of faith, that first day, March 18th, 1975. Whoa, that's a long time ago. It was after my second period class right outside the music room. My friends came up to me, invited me to faith in Christ. We had already been talking. I had already been reading the Bible. And I opened my heart to God. And God told me, he said, leave this life that has no value and go to the place that I will show you. God filled me with his power and presence in such a radical way that day. And I had no idea what was in store for me. 
I had no idea that a few weeks later, my family would practically reject me and think of me as dead and have a funeral for me because what I did was so terrible to them. Some terrible things can happen like that. There might be some here today that have been rejected for their faith. But it's amazing to see what happens, isn't it? Because the blessings are so much greater. They are so much greater. Whoever would have thought that this Jewish kid would be on a stage in Utah talking about his Savior and Lord that over 30 years ago came into his life and called him to a walk of faith. Whoever would have thought. I mean, I was a messed up kid. God did an amazing work. And his promises are amazing in our lives, aren't they? Aren't they? God has been calling people the same way for thousands of years. You got to remember, who are you following? You're not following a plan. Jesus said, come follow me. That's exactly what he spoke to Abram. You're not following some Jedi Yoda. You're not, you are following El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. That's what that name means in the Old Testament for God. The all-sufficient one. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's eternal. He's unchanging. He's amazing. He's the great God of gods and king of kings. And when he calls you, you can answer. When he calls you with confidence, you can go and say, I will follow you, Lord. I will leave behind what I have. It might look valuable, but compared to the call of the great King of kings and Lord of lords, the eternal one, the one who set the planets on their course, the one who created us and knit us together in our mother's womb, this great God we can follow. Amen? Amen. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will do it. Set your heart on pilgrimage today and be blessed. There might be some people here that don't know the Lord. Hear it for the first time. Today, God is calling you. As he called Abraham, maybe out of the blue, he's calling you and saying, come, follow me, and I will bring you to a place that's amazing, to, uh, uh, to a strategy and a plan that you can never come up with on your own. But I say these to those who know the Lord now too, who maybe have been around for a while. God is saying, stop settling. That's what this next sermon series is all about, the adventure at a crossroads. Don't settle. Settling is not following God's path. Realize that every single day you must trust him with all of your heart. And that means that all you have to do is wait for him to tell you to go to that next place. 
If you avoid this way, then you are not on his way. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you think that you can just make a token acceptance of God and think that that's it, look at history. Look at Abraham. Look at the disciples. Their life was never the same again. You can never throw Jesus as a layer on your life and think you've done it. It doesn't work. It's not just something you could add to your life. Are the feeble things of this world worth more than what God has? Remember the four promises and blessings of Abraham I talked about? Well, this is the scripture for us about our promises and blessings. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has, they are yes and amen in Christ. This is our promise. This is what we get to say yes to. I will follow you, Lord. This is our promise. And it's a daily one that we get to accept and believe and walk in. We're going to close right now. And there was an observation that someone made that I think is important to read. So I will. It says, it seems to be a paradox that many who profess to know the Lord believe they have exercised saving faith and have had their sins forgiven, yet they do not seem to have the faith to turn their lives over to the Lord. God's plan is that the saved man then lives the rest of his life by faith. That's what we are all about as we follow Jesus. And that's what we are all about as a church. And God is calling us to something wonderful and something new. But he needs to be the leader. He's saying, go to a place that I will send you. We need to believe God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we must live that life of faith. That's what it says in Romans 4, 16. Therefore, the, promi- uh, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. The law can't save you. Rules and regulations can't save you. It's faith that saves you by grace. And it's faith by grace that will lead you the second day of your relationship with Jesus and the third day of your relationship with Jesus. And for the rest of eternity, we get to walk in that grace and that faith. What does the heart on pilgrimage look like? It's a good question to ask. What does your heart on pilgrimage look like today? 
Maybe the Lord's speaking to you today. Maybe you never heard that this is the way you follow God. It's your first time hearing this. Or maybe it's your first time considering like I need to do this, like I shared when I did it. That's a good thing. Or maybe you've known the Lord for a while and you've settled like I tend to do on a regular basis. And God is saying, don't settle. Set your heart on pilgrimage and receive the blessings I have for you. You know, the the word church in the New Testament, the Greek word is ekklesia. There's two components to that word. One is ek, out. The other one is kalo, called. We're called out. See, this comes full circle. We see in the scripture that we just read before in Romans that he's the father of us all because we're all believing by faith. We are all answering the call of faith. And that's how it happens. And now Jesus Christ even sets up his church and calls it the called out ones. That's us. Called out from what? To an old life, an old plan, to a life of faith. That's what God calls us to. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? We have something so wonderful that God has given us. It's so easy to settle. I want to encourage you. God's blessing is so much greater. And in this season, because we are in a season, we know it's spring physically, but the season of the adventure is of radical faith. Yes? And so we want to respond to the Lord in faith. We want to say, yes, Lord. Maybe right now there's something on your heart that the Lord is speaking to you about, that that you want to just say, you know what? I am not going to let this be the thing that I depend on. I am going to put my faith in God. Is that you today? Raise your hand if there's something that God's saying, I want to shake loose. Good. Anyone else? Good. Be bold about it. Come on, that's a part. In base camp on Wednesday nights, I tell everybody, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Jump out of the boat like God called Peter to do. And trust him. Because he's going to do that. That's what the life of faith is, right? Every day, you're going to be challenged to trust him. Good. And now we, we want to ask those that are maybe for the first time just wanting to give their hearts to the Lord and saying, I want that faith. I want to be able to follow a God that good. I just want to address you for a second. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And what happened was he took your sins upon himself and he died in your place so that you don't have to, so that you could have eternal life and a restored relationship with God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so each of us will face God one day And if we did not have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives, 
God is going to say, you have fallen short. And so I just want to encourage you to close your eyes right now as we pray. We're going to give people the opportunity to respond. If that's you today, and you want forgiveness of your sins, and you want Jesus to lead you the way we talked about today, and have a relationship with God. I just want you to raise your hands just so I could connect with you and, and know, great. I'd like also the base camp team, keep your hands raised, please, to come forward because we're going to pray for you right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? We just want to give you that opportunity. God wants to touch your life today. He wants to move in you and fill you with his grace like never before. And so we're going to pray for you in just a minute, but I just want to give you instructions. This base camp team, they're not going to hound you, but they definitely want to be able to pray with you. And you can just meet with them right after. And also there's the base camp room, which is in the lobby. For anyone who wants to go and get prayer, it's a great opportunity. Let's pray for those that have raised their hands to receive Christ. Can we all together say a prayer of inviting Jesus Christ once again to be the leader of our life. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I have realized that my plans will not work. I have realized that I have sinned and I need forgiveness. And I ask that you, Jesus, would forgive my sins because you took them upon yourself on the cross. Now lead me the rest of my life. By faith, I trust you. I leave the old and go with you now, trusting you that you will show me where to go. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.